0: Welcome to Humanitas podcast from and to human rights advocates putting humans at the center of human rights communication. Greetings everyone, I'm Sarjan and today we are going to dive into proactive safety measures in digital platforms. This will be a technical podcast to understand the digital security ecosystem to avoid potential cyber incidents. First... Where do we begin with digital privacy? Identifying the personal or classified information that should be protected can be a good starting point. If you are writing a thesis that takes months of study and work, the draft file is essential to protect. An interview recording to be published in a human rights report is also confidential in order to protect the identity of the person interviewed. We may classify any file that is important to us or someone as confidential, common media, computers, offline storage devices, and online systems. This may include but is not limited to email service providers, cloud storage services, social media platforms, or the websites that we create content. Once the files have been identified and classified for protection, what might be the next step? Any file we open without a key or a password is likely in a readable format. Encryption is hiding data with a curtain to avoid being seen by anyone else. To open an encrypted file, there is a verification step to ensure that only the file owner or someone with a predetermined key can access to it. We can arrange file-based or for the entire disk encryption. There are many open source encryption tools. The fact is that tools develop regularly. Staying up to date on this point will intensify security on the software side. If a hard disk is not encrypted, it can be easily accessed through physical access. If an encryption process exists, somebody will need the key to read it The most commonly used operating systems offer encryption options for storage devices. While organizing the encryption, as always, long and complicated passwords make it more difficult for others to decipher. When connecting online, encrypting files before sending is also a necessity to prevent the confidentiality of files while communicating. Following hard drive encryption of storage devices, what might be the next step? If we look at personal computers, there are two common steps that are easy to take on a regular basis. First, receive and implement updates. Updates from vendors correct vulnerabilities or problems in operating systems. This is applicable for any application and software. Second, Investment in certain security software is always a good policy. Conventionally, they are antivirus, anti malware, and firewall utilities. There are also browser extensions to prevent the leakage of personal information to websites. Both points are applicable to any device that connects to the internet. What suggestions do we have for protecting online accounts? How can we enhance their security to prevent unauthorized access? When we want to access an email account, we write a password to the system to prove that we own that account. That is user authentication. There are other more secure ways to authenticate. Two-factor authentication is standard in many online banking platforms. To access online banking systems, we enter our password, then we get a second code on our smartphone for the second step of authentication. As a new aspect of authentication, biometrics, for example, fingerprints, facial recognition, or vein patterns in our palms are new and secure options because they are difficult to copy and steal. I want to mention one email provider called ProtonMail. There can be three authentication stages for accessing the account in that service. The first step is to enter your account password. After that, you enter the second code that you have previously enabled through certain authentication applications, such as Microsoft Authenticator, Google Authenticator or Duo Mobile. Lastly, entering your mailbox code. Since the provider informed you during the creation of this code, if you forget it, you cannot access your mailbox even if you know the account password. Although we have multiple accounts, using a password manager will be useful to set them up. What's the significance of a virtual private network VPN? As we access any website and social media or email platform, our device connects through other devices. If we have connected to our router or a public hotspot, we use these ways to reach our destination. This means that if those routers present a vulnerability, our data can be exposed or detected. If we access a bank account while connected to such public access point, there is a risk of losing confidential information during access. To avoid such a leak on public networks, implementing VPN is a proactive measure. We will always use the same method for accessing the Internet, but with the VPN, Our traffic and the information we send will be encrypted during the network. VPNs are also good options for bypassing banned internet websites to access in certain countries. However, an important point should be made about these services. They may have access to network traffic, internet history, and information we send while we connect to them. Due to that reason, Reliability is essential to trust those providers. As always, it is better to have a paid VPN service. How about backing up our files? If we cannot tolerate the loss of a file, we need to prepare because we are going to lose it. Having routine backups both online and offline are major solutions for such data loss, at least two different external drives could be required. This appears to be easy, but it may require some effort to implement. I will suggest using at least monthly backups of files used daily. What type of information can a website access when we visit it? There is a demonstration website prepared by a researcher named Robin Linus. webk.robinlinus.com When we click on a link, the website gathers information about us. They may use them for a better user experience, but may also collect personal information. Some of these include firstly the location of us and our device through our IP address. Second, the information about the operating system, browser, and certain browser plugins that we use. third. Hardware information such as central and graphical process model and vendor, screen resolution, battery charging status, and current battery level. Fourth, the internet bandwidth speed and public and local IP addresses. If we log on to some common platforms such as social media websites, this website may detect that we have logged on to this platform. If we have used especially portable devices, such as smartphones, they are able to access certain sensors to detect the orientation of the device, like it is just lying on a table or in our hands. There are a couple of browser extensions to prevent such leaks. One more thing to mention is that there are fake extensions in browser stores. Before installing them, Checking the number of downloads or user comments will help that no fakes are installed. How can we place the importance of education and training to increase the protection of digital privacy? Advancements in technology can create a breakthrough and yesterday's understanding may no longer be applicable. Attackers also create new types of attacks and human error continues to be a huge option for exploitation. Everyone may have a different perspective on online presence in order to preserve and protect their privacy. However, we need to know potential privacy violations for the long term. Most importantly, our privacy and its protection are not sprint run. It's a marathon that takes an entire life long term. Be aware and safe. This four-part series is presented by a diverse crew of master's degree students from the University of Padova in collaboration with the Human Rights Center Antonia Papiska and the student engagement team. Shout out to Silik Mason for creating this soundtrack.